called uh, The Hard Sayings of Jesus today. And as we uh, do that, I want you to go ahead and grab your Bible and open it up to uh, John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and we'll have scripture on the screen back here behind me, and uh, we'll also have it in your Version app if you want to follow along uh, there as well, especially if you click on events, you can follow along uh, in your Version app. But um, I, I want to start by telling you a, a quick story, and I, I think I've told this story before, but uh, it's just relevant today, so I just thought I'd tell it again. Uh, I, uh, back in college, I went with a, some friends of mine, we decided to go backpacking uh, through the Appalachians on the Appalachian Trail in the Smoky Mountains, and our goal was to do a very large portion of what would take uh, about three or four days uh, of, of hiking in the Appalachians, uh, Smoky Mountains here on the Appalachian Trail, and so it was about a three or four day uh, journey that we were going to take uh, on this backpacking trip, so we were going to be camping in the backcountry and that kind of thing, and uh, Benny is not here this morning. Uh, if you guys know Benny's story, you know, he just completed every trail of the Smoky Mountains in about Oh, what was it, like two and a half months or something like that? It was like ridiculously quick, and, and uh, I wish I knew Benny back then because I could have got all these tips and none of this would have happened. But uh, what happened was is, I remember this was like our first, like we'd gone overnight camping before, you know, backpacking and that kind of thing, but I'd never been on like a really, really long you know, backpacking trip kind of thing. And so we all had our, you know, hiking bags and, you know, equipment and everything like that. And so here I am, you know, this uh, 19, 20-year-old, you know, college student. We're about to go through uh, go through this, this trip. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Like, I want to make sure that I don't get out there and I don't need something, right? Like, I don't want to get stuck with needing something while I'm out there. So I want to make sure that I take pretty much everything that I own in my backpack. Like, that was... That was pretty much what we what I did because I didn't know any better. You know, I, I forgot that. Hey, I'm you know only walking like seventy miles. You know, up and down mount, mountains. I should you know take a seventy five pound backpack with me. That sounds like a really good idea. It was not a good idea. It was a bad idea. Uh, don't ever do it. But that's exactly what I did. In fact, uh, I was so dumb. Like we like I wanted to make sure that I ate well too. And so like we took like canned food. Okay, like, uh, so this was before, like, the pouches of, like, uh, you know, tuna fish and that kind of thing. Like, if you wanted a tuna fish, you had to take it in the can, right? And so I'm taking, like, I've got cans of tuna fish and stuff like that, you know, in my backpack. And I put this thing on, and I mean, it's, like, almost as tall as I am. And I put it on, and, you know, and I'm just like, oh, this thing is so heavy. And so in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I look like a respectable hiker. Like, that's, that's what I look like, you know? I've got, like, a sleeping bag on it, you know? This whole thing is real big and everything like that. And I'm literally, I feel like I'm, like, walking like this, you know, with this bag. And all of us are doing that. All of us are doing that. And so as we're hiking up this mountain, literally the first day, I get th- to the end of the first day, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know that I can do four or five more days like this. Like, I, I, I don't think that I can make it. And so I was really starting to, to doubt you know, if I was going to make it through this thing, I, I'm thinking that if I don't get rid of what's in this backpack at some point, like, they're just going to have to come and get me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I, can, if, if I can make it, if I can go through that. So eventually what happened the next day is I remember we were going down the trail and we get, a, uh, you know, an hour or two down the trail and I just decided, guys, we've got to stop. Like, I've got to get rid of a lot of this stuff. And so we ended up, you know, coming across a shelter and they had a trash can there and I literally unloaded like half of my backpack, you know, food, anything that I could get rid of. I had a, like a, uh, like, you know, one of those camp shovels, you know, kind of deal. And we already had, one guy had one. It's like, hey, listen, we don't all need a shovel. <laughs> Threw mine out. It was gone. So like, it just got rid of like half the stuff in my backpack. Uh, but the, 
in the middle of that, there was a, a moment where I'm, I'm in that, and I'm beginning to just really doubt whether or not I can make it. I'm beginning to, to doubt if I'm going to uh, be able to continue on. I'm beginning to doubt if I'm going to be able to, to finish the trip. I'm beginning to doubt if I'm ever going to make it back home at this point, if I'm going to have to carry this backpack. Like I, All of this doubt started to just flood me, and, and as the doubt began to get bigger and bigger and bigger with the weight that I was carrying, I realized one of two things were going to have to happen. Either I was going to quit and not make it, or I was going to have to drop the doubt. And the only way to drop the doubt was to drop the weight. The only way to drop the doubt was to drop the weight. In Hebrews chapter 12, you don't have to turn there because I told you to turn to uh, John, but I want to read you a verse real quick. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, listen, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. That's a really important phrase for today. If you uh, highlight or underline things, highlight that. Lay aside every weight. And sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so the writer of Hebrews, as he is talking, he, he, if you can picture in, in your mind what he's trying to say here, he's saying that if you want to complete the race that is ahead of you, if you want to finish the task that is before you, there is a weight that you're going to have to drop. There is weight that you're going to have to drop. And let me tell you, if you are carrying around the weight of doubt in your life, in order to finish the race, you have to drop the doubt weight. We have to drop the doubt weight. Now, if we're honest with each other, we've all struggled with doubt in some ways, have we not? I mean, if, if we're just going to be real, we've all struggled in some ways. Some of you, um, you, you may think, well, I don't know that I've ever doubted anything. Well, congratulations, you're the minority. Uh, but the rest of us, the rest of us this morning, we've all in some way dealt with some sort of doubt. Maybe it's been physical doubt, maybe it's been spiritual doubt, maybe it's been circumstantial doubt, maybe it's been belief doubt. Maybe there have been times when, when you've believed or, or that you needed some answers. Maybe you've been skeptical in your faith in, in some way. Maybe uh, for some of you, you've that, uh, that God even exists, or maybe you've never gone that far to, to doubt whether God exists. Maybe for you, the doubt has just been, does God even care? Like, is, he, is he listening? Is he paying attention? Is, when I pray, is he, is he going to answer? And so there's been doubt that is built up for you in that, or maybe you've doubted whether or not God really, truly has forgiven you. It's like, I've prayed for forgiveness, I've asked for forgiveness. Sometimes I don't feel very forgiven. So maybe, God, maybe God's not forgiving me. Maybe what I've done is, is too much. And that, if you've struggled with doubt, maybe there are some of you that have even been told, you know what, you can't be a believer if you doubt. How can you, how can you be a believer if you have questions of doubt? How can you be a believer? If, if you've ever doubted, how, how can you have faith? Because what the Bible tells you is the Bible tells you that you shouldn't doubt. And one of the hard sayings that Jesus actually says is Jesus actually says, don't doubt. But here's the thing. He knows that we do. He knows that we do. And in fact, if you feel like you're the only person that's ever dealt with doubt, well, 
you're not alone. In fact, there are a lot of people in the Bible who have actually dealt with doubt. And here's the beautiful thing about the doubts that they encountered is that God met them where they were every single time. Every single time. Adam and Eve. It begins from the, the very beginning of, uh, of time. Adam and Eve, they doubted that God was, was as good as he promised that he was. Had they not doubted that God was as good as he promised that he was, they never would have tried the fruit that they were told not to try. And so they doubted. Abraham, Abraham doubted God's ability to, to fulfill his, his promises. Moses, Moses doubted that God was as powerful as he said that he was. Peter, when we get to the, the New Testament, Peter, one of the men who walked with Jesus, he doubted, uh, he doubted Jesus himself. In fact, uh, we, we know that Peter uh, even denied knowing Jesus. Peter tried to walk on water. You remember that story? Jesus shows up in the middle of the storm, out on the waves. You know, the disciples are all scared. You know, they're, they're, they're wondering if they're going to just die out there on the, in the middle of the ocean. And, and Jesus shows up walking on the water in the middle of the storm. He calms the storm. He asks, Peter, you know, Peter's like, Jesus, let me come to you. Peter jumps out onto the water. He walks for a little ways, and then he begins to sink. And, and what, what happens? Where does Jesus meet Peter? In the water. He saves him and pulls him out of the water. He pulls him up, and then he says this to Peter. He says, Peter, why did you doubt? And this is where we get things mixed up, because he says, Oh, you of little faith, right? And so we associate doubt and little faith, and we, we put those two things together, and that's not exactly what Jesus meant in that moment. But Peter, Peter dealt with doubt himself. They're, the disciples, they, each one of them, they, they had their doubts. They doubted that Jesus was who he said he was. And the reason why we know that they doubted, and we see this over and over and over again in the three years of, of ministry that Jesus did with them, but by the time we get to what we celebrated last week, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we see this, this doubt really start to, to flare up and, and get really, really deep, don't we? Because had they not, when the women came running back to where the disciples were on Easter Sunday, when they saw that the tomb was empty... What did it say? It said that the disciples ran to see for themselves. They didn't, believe the, they didn't believe the women, although Jesus had told them over and over and over again, I will be crucified and I will resurrect three days later. So they doubted that Jesus meant what he said. And then there's Thomas, right? There's Thomas. We call Thomas what? Doubting Thomas, right? We give Thomas the, the nickname Doubting Thomas. Never forget, though, that, that we doubt too, right? So why don't we just call it, I'm Doubting Bobby. This is Doubting Tim and Trish right there. Doubting Lindsay and Shauna. And so, hello, Doubting everyone, right? Thomas gets the, he gets the, 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 the title Doubting Thomas, but yet every single one of them in the room had been doubting themselves before that. The only difference between the disciples and Thomas at that moment is that the disciples had seen Jesus, and so they were no longer doubting. For some reason, Thomas, Thomas had not seen Jesus in the same way. You see, doubt, doubt, it's not the complete absence of faith. Doubt is not the complete absence of faith. It's, it's faith laden with weights of unbelief 
which threatened to sink us. It's faith laden with weights of unbelief, which threaten to sink us. It's faith that, that struggles with the temptation of unbelief. And it's something that every single believer, I think, deals with to some extent. Um, so in John chapter 20, uh, we're going we're gonna to pick it up in, in verse 24. And we're actually going to look at the story of Doubting Thomas, or Thomas. We'll just call him Thomas because I think that's an unfair nickname for, for this guy. But uh, we'll see why here in just a few moments. So last week we were, uh, it was Easter Sunday, so we talked about the resurrection of Jesus and, and how uh, Jesus is, he's alive, he's not dead, and the, the angel was there sitting up on the rock kind of chilling and hanging out and looking real cool, right? And, and the ladies come and they're walking in there and they're looking for Jesus and the angel says to them, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He is not here for he is risen. He is alive. And then a few moments later, they see Jesus. They have an encounter with Jesus. Jesus shows up to his disciples and appears to them, and, and they see this, this resurrected Jesus. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 24 of chapter 20 from the book of John. It says this. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, your, uh, your scripture may say uh, named Didymus. I would just stick with Thomas, but uh, that's just me. Uh, so Didymus is, it just means the twin. So now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. And so we don't know where Thomas was. We don't know what happened to Thomas. Thomas, you know, was out running errands. We don't know what happened. But Thomas was not there. Thomas missed church. You see, a lot of things happen when you miss church, y'all. I'm just telling you. So miss Jesus and show up for church. All right. Get that in there. All right. So Thomas, Thomas missed Jesus. He wasn't there when Jesus showed up. He missed church. So, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But this is what Thomas said. This is where Thomas gets the bad rap. He says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place, place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, those are pretty strong words from Thomas. He says, I'll never believe unless I see it for myself. It says, eight days later. Eight days later. Now, think about this for a second. It says, eight days later, Jesus finally shows back up. Now, remember last week, if you were here last week, we, we looked at John chapter 11 and the story of Lazarus, and it says that Jesus waited a couple of days, Right? <laughs> And he said he waited a couple of days, and he said, this is for your own good. This is for your benefit that I wait and not come quickly. And now Jesus again has waited, and it, Jesus does everything on purpose. Like there is nothing that is happenstance with Jesus. Like he does things on purpose. So it says eight days later, he says his disciples were inside again, and this time Thomas was at church. Good for him. It says Thomas was with them. He says, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Now, that's just showing off, isn't it? I mean, doors are locked, Jesus shows up, boom, there he is. And this is what he says. He says, peace be with you. I love that. Just so like, I've been here the whole time, where have you been? Peace be with you. He says, then he said to Thomas, he said, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, probably one of the greatest statements in all the gospel. Thomas answered him and said, my Lord 
and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, Jesus made it clear that the, the better way is, is full belief. He said the better way is full belief. After all, faith, faith requires that we believe without the proof that comes from seeing. But notice that Jesus, Jesus didn't turn his back on Thomas. He literally pulled him to his side and used Thomas's doubt as a teaching moment. He didn't look at Thomas and, and chastise Thomas and, and be like, ah, Thomas, I can't believe you. You know, why would you do that? Bad. Go away. I don't even like you anymore. Uh, Jesus didn't treat Thomas that way. He, he, he pulled him to his side and used this as a teaching moment. Jesus gave Thomas what he needed to believe. What did Thomas say that he needed to believe? He said, I need to see the wounds myself. I need to put my hands in the wounds. And Jesus showed up with the wounds. I believe that in our doubts, that Jesus will always give us what we need. Because he's going to meet us where we are. He's going to meet us where we are. Here's the hard saying that Jesus says. He says, do not disbelieve, but believe. He says, do not disbelieve, but believe. In other words, he's saying, don't doubt, believe. Don't doubt, but believe. And so Thomas responds, again, with one of the most powerful statements in all of the gospel. Thomas's response is, my Lord and my God. He looks at Jesus and says, you are the Messiah, you are Lord, and you are God. In that moment. Very, very powerful. It just got personal for Thomas because Jesus gave him what he needed to believe. And so Thomas responded in the only way that should be responded with. By looking at Jesus as who he is. As Savior and God. And it transformed Thomas's life. It transformed Thomas's life. He went, uh, what we know about Thomas from this moment is that he went all the way to India preaching the gospel. That Thomas encountered this resurrected Jesus. And he looked at him and said, you are the Lord, you are the Messiah, you are the, the rescuer, you are resurrected, you are who you said that you were. And that, so now I'm going to believe that you're going to do everything that you promised me that you would do. My Lord and my God, I will go to the ends of the earth. Because that's what he said, right? He said, go into all of the what? What? World. He said, go into all of the world. And Thomas, believe it or not, Thomas goes, you know what? I think I'll take that literal. Imagine that. I'm going to go into all all of the world. And so Thomas, we know that Thomas made it all the way to India, preaching the good news about Jesus, about what he had seen, about what he had heard, about who Jesus was. And eventually, eventually, Thomas was murdered for it. In fact, when they, when they killed Thomas, they told Thomas, Thomas, recant what you have said, recant what you have preached. Say that what you have seen and heard is not true, and we won't kill you. And Thomas said, can't do it. I can't unsee what I've seen. You're going to have to kill me. And so they put him to death. They killed him. Because of what he had seen. 
Now, again, we talked about this last week, and we talked about the disciples and, and why I believe that the resurrection is true. It's not just because the Bible says that it's true. I believe that the Bible says that it's true, and I believe it that way, but that's not why I believe it. I believe it because of the disciples, because they died and gave their lives for something that they had seen and experienced. You don't die for a lie, and every single one of them did so. Because when you experience a resurrected Jesus, it changes everything. And I believe, just like Thomas, Thomas dropped his doubts, didn't he? And when we drop our doubts, when you and I drop the doubts that we carry with us, and it may be a daily struggle to have to drop doubts on, on the daily basis. But I believe it changes everything for us. I believe it does. So real quick, I want to give us... Four things that we learn from Jesus' interaction with Thomas uh, that can help you and I in our doubts. Four things um, that we see from this passage of Scripture. Number one is this, is that Jesus, Jesus is aware of our doubts. He's aware of your doubts. If you doubt, if there's anything that you doubt, whether you doubt how good God is, whether you doubt uh, what you're going through, if, God, if you're going to make it, uh, through what you're going through, if you doubt uh, the, the greatness and the goodness of Jesus, if you doubt, wh- whatever it is that you doubt, you're not surprising Jesus by your doubts. There's nothing that's going to surprise him. In fact, he is acutely aware of the doubts that you may experience when you experience them. Isn't this what we see with Thomas? How did Jesus know what Thomas needed? Because he, he was aware of Thomas's doubts, right? Peter didn't, you know, pull Jesus aside one day like, Jesus, come here. Hey, Thomas, man, he's tripping. And, uh, like, you're going to have to show up and, you know, show him. He said that he'll never believe if you don't show him the wounds. And so you need to, like, you know, show up, you know, pop in. You know, doors are locked. Make it real cool. You know, we'll get the hazers and the lights going. It'll be awesome. That's all he said. I don't know where that came from. And he said, <laughs> he said, that's not what happened. Why, why, why did it not happen that way? Because Jesus is aware of his doubts. Like Jesus knew that Thomas was doubting. Jesus knew that Thomas was having trouble believing. And so he gave him what he needed. And so I believe that, that he's aware of any doubt that you're experiencing. Maybe you have doubts about whether God's going to come through when you need him to come through. Maybe, maybe you doubt, again, if he's really as good as he says that he is. If he really, truly cares enough about you to get you through what you're going through. You see, and that's the thing. Some, so many times we pray for God to, to fix what we're going through, and God's going, no, 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 no. I'm trying to pull you through what you're going through. Because you're going to grow from that. You, need, you don't know how much you need to go through what you're going through to get to the other, other place that I'm taking you to. And we just want Jesus to fix everything, to make everything clean and easy and simple. How long did Thomas wait? Eight days. He waited eight days. What do you think Thomas felt during those eight days? Man, these guys, man, John, Peter, those dudes, crazy. They didn't see no resurrected Jesus. Maybe he did come back. Maybe Jesus doesn't love, why didn't he show up to me? Like, why, I'm, like, why is he not just showing up right here? He knows what I need. 
He knows that I need this like everybody else says that they got it, and I'm, why don't I get it? Why don't I have the faith that they have? Why haven't I seen what they've seen? Maybe Jesus doesn't love me the same way. Maybe I'm the, the least of the twelve. And maybe he even loves Judas more. Judas is dead. And maybe he even loves Judas more than he loves me because he's, why am I not getting this? Do you imagine like what Thomas was feeling eight days of Peter going, yeah, we had, uh, we had breakfast with Jesus this morning. It was awesome. Where were you? <laughs> and, Tom, and Thomas is just struggling. And, uh, so Jesus is aware. And it may not feel like in the moment that he's doing what you need him to do. Just hold on. Just hold on. Just hold on. Number two, Jesus, Jesus responds to our doubts with grace and direction. He responds to our doubts with grace and direction. Jesus always gives us direction and never just a command. Uh, like for, for example, uh, Matthew 28, where the, the great uh, commission where he says, go, right? He doesn't just say go. He, doesn't, he, gives them, he gives them direction too. Right? He says go into all of the, the world. right? Like Jesus always gives, he responds with grace and direction. A gentle rebuke is what Jesus gives Thomas. Listen to what he says to Thomas. He says, after, after he says, uh, put your fingers and hands here, he says, do not disbelieve, but believe. And so there's the rebuke, but it's a gentle rebuke. It's a grace-filled rebuke. He says, he says Thomas, don't, don't doubt, don't disbelieve, but believe. But he also gives direction. He also gives direction. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus, he gives this, he says this, he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe. That word repent, it just means to turn away from and to turn to. That's what it means. It's to turn in another direction. And so, in Thomas's disbelief, in his, in his doubt, he needs to turn away from his doubt and turn to Jesus. As this passage continues on in verse 31 of John chapter 20, uh, in 30 it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But it says, listen to this. It says, But these are written so that you may believe. You may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So what, what is the direction for us when we doubt? Repent of our doubt. Turn away from, turn to Jesus, and soak in the gospel. This is, John writes this, he says, these things are written down for us to believe, to help us. And so when you struggle with doubt, when I struggle with doubt, when we struggle about how good God is, or maybe we even struggle with our own salvation and faith, well, the first place that we should turn is right to the scriptures. Right to the scriptures. And in fact, uh, in your Uversion app this week, at the very bottom, uh, right there in our events, where if you're following along there, there's a devotional. I think it's a five or maybe seven day devotional about dealing with doubt. 
In version, there's uh, all kinds of devotionals, long ones, short ones, video ones, audio ones, ones that you can read. There's all kinds of devotions. And whatever it is that you're struggling with, you just go to the search tab there and, and write it, or type it in and hit search. You'll get tons of devotionals dealing with the things that you're dealing with to help you soak in the gospel, to believe, to believe. So secondly, Jesus responds to our doubts with grace and direction. Number three, number three, we have to look at what he has already done. We have to look at what he has already done. Jesus says to Thomas, he says, do not disbelieve, but believe. But what did, what did he show him? He showed him the wounds, right? He showed him his hands, he showed him his side he showed him the the wounds of what he had already done on the cross and so he says look at these and believe and so when we doubt when we have doubts when we struggle with doubt go back to the cross to remember and to marvel at what jesus has done on the cross for us so that we would believe so we would not forget all that he, had, he has done. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. You guys probably know this one, but it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. With all of your heart. Not partial pieces, not bits here and a little there. He says, with all of our hearts. And do not lean on our own understanding. I love that part. That's so important. Because that says we have to trust God with all of our hearts. And don't lean on our own understanding of that. Because why? Because we lie to ourselves. Our hearts lie to us. Our emotions lie to us. He says, so don't lean on your own understanding. He says, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Now, that, that verse, straight your paths, it doesn't mean that he's going to make everything easy. What that, what that actually means to make straight your paths is he's going to give you vision. For the next step. And that's good, isn't it? Because isn't that what doubt does? It says that it clouds your vision. It, it, it tells us and, and, and clouds everything ahead of us that we, we, don't, we don't know where to go next, what to do next. And then number four. Number four. When we're dealing with doubt, we're dealing with doubt. We have to drop our conditions to God working in our life. We have to drop our conditions to God working in our life. God's desire is to do something in you. In you. We like to use conditions as excuses, don't we? Isn't that what Thomas did? Thomas said, I will never believe unless. And he, he, gave, he gave God a condition. Now, Jesus Jesus met him right there where he was, and I believe that he'll meet us right there where we are. But we, I, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think that God's always going to uh, work with our conditions, right? Like, God, I'll, I'll serve you if you do this. God, I'll do this when you do this. Because the conditions always work out that way, don't they? It's like, God, you do this first, and then I'll do this, right? 
And in the Old Testament, uh, there's this beautiful story of, of Joshua who's leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. And as he's leading them into the promised land after Moses has handed over leadership to Joshua, Joshua is standing at the, the edge of a, of a flooded river. And on the other side is where God has said, this is where you need to be. And the river is, is flooded. And God gives him instructions and he says, I want you to carry the Ark of the Covenant across. And as soon as the feet of the priest touch the water, then I'll push the water back. Now, if it was us, we go, no, 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 God, you see, that's not the way that it works. The way that I work is like this. You push the water back so I know that I'm not getting wet and everything is going to be safe and everything's going to be easy and straight and I can see where I'm going. You do that and then I'll step in. And God says, no, 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 you step out and watch me step in. You step out. And watch me step in. And so, so as soon as the feet touch, I'll push the waters back. So we have, to, we have to drop our conditions. You see, conditions, conditions have never died for us. But Jesus has. Conditions have never died for us, but Jesus has. And so we started, we started today by reading Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it's how the writer of Hebrews, he says... Let us lay aside every weight, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look at verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12. How do we do that? Looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. you don't know where to start, look to Jesus. If you don't know where to start, look to Jesus. So let me ask you this morning, do you, do you, want, to, do you want to doubt? Or do you want, let me rephrase it, do you, do you want your doubt to just be a doubt? Or do you want it to be truth? See, because there's, there's a difference between those two things. Because if your doubt remains a doubt, that it remains heavy and weighty and will do all the things that we said that a doubt will do if we make that doubt a truth. The longer doubt lingers, the more doubt has an opportunity to become truth. So we have to drop the weight of doubt. We have to drop the weight of doubt. Just real quickly, just very practical things here. As we close, ask yourself this question. What doubts do you need to admit? Thomas admitted his doubt. What doubts do you need to admit? Is there a doubt that, that is very, very uh, closely starting to become a truth for you because you've held on to it for so long? that you've let it linger, that you've carried the weight of it for so long, that's starting to be something that is just true. And so what doubt do you need to, to just confess to the Lord this morning? What doubt do you need to admit? Is it a doubt of faith? Is it a doubt of God's goodness? Is it a doubt of God's greatness? Is it a doubt of, of if God is going to pull you through what you're going through? Secondly, 
you are struggling with a doubt this morning, multiple doubts, something that maybe you've dealt with for a long time, then I would encourage you to do a couple of things. First of all, I'd encourage you to talk to someone, someone that loves you. In fact, I, I I would talk to someone that has these qualities. They love Jesus and they love you. Talk to someone that loves Jesus and they love you. Because if they don't love Jesus, they're probably going to tell you to go pick up some book at, you know, Books a Million or Barnes & Noble or Amazon and say, hey, go read this book. It really is good. Have you read it? No, but this doctor said blah, blah. I mean, maybe that it's good. I don't know. And I'm not saying that those aren't helpful at times. What I'm saying is, is that you want somebody that hopefully will point you to Scripture. Because that's a great place to start. Someone that's going to point you to Jesus. As the writer of Hebrews says, he says, looking to Jesus. So talk with someone. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to join a group, a small group, a life group here, uh, or a recovery group. To be around people that, that can talk with you, that you can talk with. We have groups that you can be a part of. We have recovery groups that you can, can be a part of. So we invite you to, to do that. If that's something that, that you know is your next step, then on your Connect card, before you leave today, write on your Connect card, I'm interested in a life group or I'm interested in a recovery group. This is not you committing to showing up. This is just you getting some information. It would be helpful. Or maybe, maybe you just need to have someone pray with you. Someone on our prayer team or one of our elders or pastors that's going to say, hey, you know what, I'd love to talk with you and listen to you and... and and let's, let's have a conversation so I know how to pray for you. And then third, last, last but not least, let us or someone walk with you. Doubts can be a very lonely place to walk in by yourself. So don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Talk with someone. A great place to start is just on your Connect card, just saying need to talk with someone. A great place to just confess and admit that there's doubts that you need to walk through. And so as we, as we close today's service, as we end our time together here this morning, we want to take just the time to do just that, for you and I to, to just do work with the Lord, to, to take time maybe to just openly uh, confess with our hearts and with our mouths to, to God that, hey, th- here's a doubt that I'm struggling with. And he's not going to be shocked by it. He's not going to be taken by surprise by that doubt if you have any sort of doubt, even if it's the doubt of whether or not he is who he says he is. And I believe with all of my heart, just like he did with Thomas, I believe that he'll meet you right there where you're at. And listen, that doubt may not go away today necessarily, but it will. That's right. It will. So we confess and repent and speak to him and and, and lay our hearts out before him. And then we take that practical next step. Whatever that step is for you, we take that step together. Let us walk with you in it. We we never want to throw something out here to you and just say, all right, y'all go figure this out. It's not the way it's supposed to work. So let us help you. And then let's come and take communion together to celebrate because that's, that's what we do. That's what we do when we come to communion is we come around the table of the, the body and uh, the, the blood, the bread and the, and the juice that, that reminds us of what he has done for us already. It's like this says right here that 
God is big enough for our doubts that he can handle it. That he can handle it. Because anybody that defeats sin and death can handle our doubts.